and welcome to another episode of Burnt Out to Badass. It's me, your host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, coming back with all the sass. And do I have a guest for you today? It is my pleasure to talk with Dr. Sasha Hines. Not only is she an incredible human, she is a developmental psychologist, a mindset maven, and a life coach who specializes in positive psychology, lasting change, and the science of getting unstuck. She uses all her brainy academic side from numerous places that she's been in, and she pairs them with the best of cognitive behavioral therapy, developmental theory, and life coach tools. She helps achievement junkies feel good on the inside so that their lives look as good on the outside as their CVs and resumes, and she gives them the tools to develop greater psychological flexibility and mental fitness. She is a fucking badass. I am so excited to have her today. Here we go. Welcome to Burnout to Badass, my friend, my colleague. We've had great talks before getting on here, Dr. Sasha Hines. Hi, so happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell the listeners out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and what you're doing in the world right now. I am a coach, um, a developmental psychologist, and I practice as a coach. I work with women primarily and in group coaching and also in a very small one-on-one practice, but mostly group. I think that there's so much power in witnessing other people's experience so that you recognize that everybody has the same affliction. And that is that we have a human brain. There's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) And the, the thoughts that you think are you know, make you odd or something's wrong with you or that you, you know, like, gosh, I'm so weird that everybody struggles with the same thing, more or less, you know, we all are dealing with our feelings of shame and worthlessness and insecurity and uh, being in a group of women brave enough to be vulnerable together is just so powerful. Yeah, I really love, I love working in in the groups. It's just been so fun. And there's so much healing that happens in like collective community. Being able to put it, someone puts something out and like gives words to how you're feeling. Oh, that's a powerful experience. Yeah, I think most of my clients would say that they learn more from watching other people get coached than they do sometimes with themselves because they're, when you're in the hot seat, you're so, you know, you're so in your own soup of, emotions and every, and your thoughts feel so real. And, um, you know, you, you can't see them as other, you're subject to them. You don't see them as objects. Right. So, but when you are watching somebody else get coached in these groups, everybody we do, you know, people get coached and then you're watching the others get coached when that's happening, you really can witness how a thought is separate from the person that there's the person. And then there's the thought that they're not good enough or the thought that, They'll always struggle with something and you can recognize it for what it is, which is like, oh, wow, that's an interesting narrative that they've decided to pick up. And when you're watching someone get coached or listening to them, you know, it's very easy to see how there's this human and then there's all these thoughts and feelings and they're not <laughs> the same. But when you're the one in it, right, it's, it's very hard to see that. It's very hard to be objective about our own inner experience. Absolutely. And I love all the work that you're doing. I'm a follower on Instagram, definitely a girl fan. And so I just so appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing. And that's what 
this podcast is all about. It's like sharing our experience, sharing our stories. So let's go there. Tell me a little bit about your experience with burnout and what it felt like. Oh my goodness. I mean, I was asking like, how are you defining burnout? Because I think there's, there's been so many burnouts in my life. And, and it's a hard thing to even necessarily describe because in some way, right? Like it's all been my choice, right? So I think that one of the things that's the hardest thing to struggle with in the in the process of feeling burnt out is there's this aspect of like, well, but I put myself in this position. Like I chose this pressure. I chose, or I'm, I'm choosing this pressure. I'm, I'm choosing to go after something that is really hard or taking a ton of my time and energy and in requiring a lot of me. So I think that's the, the tension, you know, whether, I mean, goodness, I'm like, okay, burnt out after college <laughs> or in college, burnt out for sure. After finishing my dissertation, I really crawled to the finish line with that one. <laughs> I mean, I was like sick, really sick at the end of that. I remember, you know, my daughter got a little stomach bug, no big deal, you know, like a 24 hour bug. And I got the same, I was so depleted physically that I got her stomach bug and it was like a four day, you know, 103, 104 fever. I mean, it was so sick. And I remember just, walking, shuffling to the clinic at the time I was living in New York City. And I remember you know, shuffling to the clinic to get an IV drip because I was so sick and just so depleted and was only able to, you know, drinking Gatorade or whatever. And and it really was just my a tiny little stomach bug, but I just had no defenses, you know, to fight it off. So I, I remember I re- that was the finish of that year of uh, finishing my dissertation. I just remember like all right. Well, but I didn't think this was also the sort of like masochistic, you know, we, there are so many women have this feeling of like, well, I have to push myself. I have to, if I'm not crawling to the finish line, I didn't give it my all. So then we sort of end up making it our own little lovely self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think having gone through graduate education as well, like I get that feeling. It's almost like the pathologic normal, like this is how it's supposed to be. So this is how I have to live. This is how it has to be. Because for me, I think, of course, like, we all know that we choose like what we're doing. But there are points at which like, you feel like you've made a choice, and then there's no backing out. And I think that's how my burnout was kind of like a, an insinuous creeping in onset. But it's so interesting, right? The no backing out, because that's all just made up in our minds. We've just made that up. I can't stop at any point. I I think that the burnout comes from that, the thought error that we are giving, we've, we've lost our autonomy where we've, we are getting, we're like, oh, this is being done to me, you know, Um, as opposed to recognizing like, oh no, no, I'm choosing this. And then I also can choose to not do it. But what happens is like for so many women, they feel that saying no or backing out or pivoting in their career, or switching gears and saying, you know what, this isn't for me. I would rather do this. Um, or I want to reduce the amount of hours I work, or I want to switch careers to something where I'm not on call all the time because that's just not working for me anymore. Right. My body can't handle it. I don't like being up all night or whatever. And being honest with oneself, like, yep, not for me anymore. It was great. Could do that in my twenties, not so much in my forties. And I'm going to make that choice to change. And then we're up against all of our psychological threats, our threat to status, our threat to certainty, 
you know, like, but, but the paycheck and, oh my gosh, what if I make less and can I handle that? Right. And then, so, and it's a threat to our sense of certainty. It may be a threat to relationships that, that feel important and so on and so forth. Right. Or a threat to our sense of fairness or, you know, any, any of those are, are sort of big psychological threats. So that's the real wrestle. Like that's the real conflict, I think, for most women and men too. But that when you feel that you can't back out, when you're telling yourself you can't back out, it's actually an invitation to look at why. What am I so threatened by? Am I threatened by the the loss of this identity that feels really important to me? The thing that makes me feel proud of who I am? Am I afraid to lose that? Okay, great. If that's the case, then there's that's like a, v- a great invitation to do that work. Do I need this external accolade or do I need this external position in the world in order to feel good about myself? It's a great invitation. Absolutely. And let's go there. So after you finished your doctorate, you crawled to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Did you experience the same like wah, wah, wah that I did after I got Dr. Aaron Wiseman? Totally. Yeah. I remember sitting in my hooding ceremony, which by the way, I'd been dreaming about for the last decade. and. You know, the dream when I was in my master's program, I was like, oh, I want to get my PhD and was so excited about it. And, you know, my fantasy is like, I'm in my doctoral robes and they're, you know, putting the hood over my head and in the beautiful chapel. And it's, in, you know, this amazing ceremony. And here I am in this moment of my life and thinking, you know, it feels good for a minute. And then you're you and you're you with your own wonderful brain, which is not going to produce the nicest thoughts all the time, right? Not, it's not your, your thoughts and feelings are not always wonderful. And that doesn't change the external situation. You know, the external events of our life don't, you know, they, they may impact our thoughts and feelings temporarily, but we adapt, right? So by the time you get your medical degree or your doctorate or whatever it is, get the promotion. You're already used to being that person. It doesn't feel so exciting. You're 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 you've already adapted to, right? So when you're starting out, you're thinking, "Oh, if I'm just a doctor, I'd feel so good about myself," right? It's going to be so amazing. Okay, but then you're sitting there and everyone else is getting their medical degree along with you, right? And now what is your brain focused on? It's not sitting there saying, oh my God, this is such a win. I feel so amazing. No, your brain is now moved on. It's adapted to this level of having this level of this is the new normal. And now your mind is right that we call this hedonic adaptation. This is what your brain does is a biasy of the brain. And then what your brain now does is think, oh, but that person got a fellowship at such and such a hospital and she's more, you know, and now, so now we've moved on, right? So that we've now moved the goalpost and now it's about, oh, but her specialty is more prestigious than mine. And oh my gosh, she got into a better practice than I got into, right? Now we're like, who cares that we got the medical degree? That's pretty ho-hum. You know, now we're worried about <laughs> our new comparison group isn't all of those people who aren't getting their, you know, aren't becoming medical doctors. Our new comparison group is all the medical doctors who are now your colleagues who are going off and doing their own work, their own research, their surgery, da, 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 and you're comparing yourself to them. So now the goalpost is just been moved. Hence, this is where the burnout begins, right? Because we just continue to move the goalpost. There's never a moment to sit back and say like, gosh, I did that thing. I did this. I'm proud of myself. You know, 
you get the minute you get there, you're like, okay, on to the next. That's just what our brain wants to do. You know, that's what your brain wants to do. So, and that I think was a huge thing for me when I actually started to learn gratitude <laughs> and actually use it. So huge. What was instrumental for you in your journey as you were transversing through all of this? Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that I'm, I, I, I think I'm sort of unusual in that I wanted to be a coach from day one. So I, wanted, I didn't want to practice as a psychotherapist. I wanted to be a coach. I love being a coach. It's just so fun working on helping people take it to the next level and giving a psychology for wellness, a psychology for thriving. And that was so exciting for me that the concept of mental, truly mental health, right? Being involved in someone's mental health, not mitigating sickness, but actually cultivating mental health. Like, so I really, that was such a exciting idea. I wanted to be a coach from day one. And so I went through all of my academic training, knowing that that's really what I wanted to do. So that was always the, what I had in mind. And I remember, you know, when I finished, finally finished my doctorate, which is it's hard, you know, you're, you're working on your own, you're doing your own research, you have to motivate yourself through the whole process. You know, the structure that's in a master's program, like it's not there for a PhD. You're really kind of floating around. I mean, you, you know, you're part of a lab or a fellowship, but it's still very independent. You know, the, the work that you're doing is very independent. So, you know, you're using all of that grit to get you through that. And then when I finished, I remember thinking, like, I don't even want to set. I remember thinking, like, ugh, I'm never setting another goal in my life. <laughs> you know, I I felt so. It felt so exactly as you put it. The want want. You know, it felt so ho hum to finish, which was so upsetting to me. Like, wait a minute, I just worked so hard to get here, and it doesn't feel that exciting. It doesn't feel like. Oh, I'm sorry. The heavens were didn't didn't everybody get the memo? The heavens were going to open and the doves descend and. Um, my life transformed when I, when they put the robe over my, or, you know, the hood over my head, it's not what happened. And life went on as normal. And I think I felt so defeated and which is ironic because I just accomplished this great thing. And for me, but uh, I felt so defeated because it just didn't give me that kind of emotional boost that I was hoping it would. And, and it made me feel like, ah, you know, any goal setting is always a Pyrrhic victory. You know, it's, it's always, it's just, you just keep grabbing those brass rings, but it's always ultimately an act of futility because it never makes you feel better. Um, And I just felt so demoralized. And I think I felt even more demoralized. I was like, wait a minute, I want to go into like what I want to do with my life. It's people accomplish big things in their life and go after their dreams. So, oh, uh oh, this isn't good. Um, So I remember for about a year after I finished just being a little bit in that sort of space of despair of like, I I don't know what I'm doing. I felt really lost. Is it worth it? Why bother? You know, sort of feeling that way. But it was such a wonderful experience, you know, not necessarily going through it, but ultimately because it forced me also to think about the why, you know, like why, why set goals? Why, if you are going to set goals, why are you doing it to fix something in you? Are you trying to set and accomplish a goal because you don't feel worthy enough? And you think that if you get the title or get the promotion or whatever the various goal is, that you're going to finally feel good enough. You're finally going to feel worthy. Because if that's the you know, if it's an extrinsically motivated goal to 
earn some kind of validation, it's never going to work. It's only going to leave you feeling crappy. I mean, that there was this is also backed up by lots of great research, right? So goals in and of themselves, if they're not set in a way where you're actually, there is an intrinsic desire to do it. And there was, I was intrinsically motivated to do it, but it was the aspect of like, this is going to make me feel legit or worthy or good. And it didn't do that. But obviously through the process of going through any arduous journey, you're learning so much. You're getting to know who you are. You have more respect for yourself and what you can handle and go through and take on the challenges that you can overcome, the knowledge that you learn and the expertise that you gain, right? That's really what it's about. Uh, So I think it was also such a wonderful opportunity again to learn that like, you know, should have had a V8 moment where you're like, oh, right. That's right. Every time I try (laughs) to accomplish something so that I can feel more worthy or better about like myself more, it never works. And it is hard to like come to that emo stage of like, well, shit, I'm still me. And, and like you said, there, there's, there is like a lot of pain and like definitely growth pains through that. But I can say for myself personally too, like after like going through the struggle, like being the man in the arena that Brene Brown talks about, then I'm like, oh, now I get it. And I won't do it that way again, but I get like why I had to go through that struggle. I think it also shows you where your work is, right? So I think ultimately it it forces you to have to come to some kind of crisis where you recognize, oh my goodness, my work is actually my relationship with myself. Like there's no external robe. Metal, piece of paper. Anything, you know? metal degree, you know, identity, anything that that's actually going to solve this problem. This is the true work is I have to actually dive right into the, my relationship with myself and which sounds very, you know, perhaps a bit esoteric and woo, like, you know, understanding and, and getting to know yourself and liking yourself and loving yourself and being available for yourself. And then it was an invitation to do that, to that work really like in my face. It's like, oh, here we're going to learn this lesson again. Apparently I need to. <laughs> right. And how has those moments now helped you move into the space that you're in today? I think it's given me so much more courage to do what I truly want to do without feeling that I'm, I'm doing it because other people will respect it or other people will think it's a good idea or other people will in some way apply applaud it, but just having much more fun with what I do. It's just like, well, that sounds like fun. Let's go do that. Regardless of whether people think it's a good idea or not, um, regardless of you know, whether it's even well-received and sometimes it isn't. You're like, oh, that didn't work. But I think that's just given me a lot more freedom to play in my career um, and to not take it so seriously, not take myself so seriously, and which is a lot more fun when you're not constantly trying to assess and take the temperature of everybody around you. Do you, you know, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah. When you stop being a chameleon and you just show up, whatever animal form you are, and you're just like, I'm here, like it or leave it. The chameleon and is so exhausting. I mean, that's what leads to the burnout. The burnout isn't the act taking action. The burnout doesn't come from doing hard things. The burnout comes from our mental messiness. It comes from the 
constant second guessing, the constant guilt about not doing enough, not being enough in this area, that area. It's the, oh gosh, so-and-so doesn't approve of me. So now I need to go and overcompensate in this area of my life. right? And then we feel completely spent and exhausted. So I don't think that the burnout comes from going after our dreams. I think the burnout comes from going after our dreams and trying to please everyone along the way. And forgetting about ourselves, not replenishing that back in. Well, Dr. Hines, it has been great. Thank you for giving us a sneak peek into what it was like behind the scenes for you from your burnouts. You are definitely a badass now. Tell all the people if they want to hang out with you too, where they can come find you and hang with you. Yeah. Well, on um, my website, so drsashahines.com, D-R-S-A-S-H-A-H-E-I-N-Z.com. And on Instagram too, same handle, D-R-S-A-S-H-A-H-E-I-N-Z on Instagram. And uh, But yeah, this year, goodness, the last you know year and a half for everybody with COVID and the pandemic, like everybody's struggling with feeling spent and burnout, I think right now. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put all those links in the show notes. And I just want to tell you, the badass in me definitely honors the badass in you. (laughs) Vice versa, woman. Have you noticed through this first season the similarities of stories, but also the differences. It's so funny when someone comes to me and they're like, well, my burnout wasn't that bad and I don't have a great burnout story. And I just want to tell them like, no, your story is significant. Your experience is significant. However you experience is important. And I just thank all of the 12 women who have come into this space and talked about their stories. Thanks so much, everyone, and especially Dr. Sasha Hines today. If you want more community, if you don't want this to end because today is the last interview episode of this season, I want you to come over to Burnt Out to Badass. Lots of great resources there. There is a place for you at the table, and I want to help you find it. So come sit right next to me. And just a reminder, the badass in me honors the badass in you.